0: 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week ritual and made in cookware they're bringing the show to you dlc of course the show all about games and their many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i'm your host jeff canada that's spelled with two n's and one t and I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, the guy who is in Palm Springs right now, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian.
1: I am. We are here uh an Airbnb for my wife's birthday. The bad Ooh. part is I have been stuck here on loop for what feels like days. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love that movie. It's such a good movie.
1: It's a good movie. But yes, so no, no video version. I might sound a little different. But great episode, and also, at the end of this episode, stick around, because I had a bonus content chat with Josh Stixma from um, uh, Moss Book 2, which we'll talk about also yeah. later. So, But stay tuned Oliark. for that at the end of the yeah. episode, because it was a fun a fun chat, and I'm very excited.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a, a, a lot of VR talk in this episode. Really cool <laughs> stuff. Actually, a jam-packed episode. I mean, we have so much stuff to talk about A really big week of news, some awesome games to talk about. I'm so excited. And we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I am so excited because DLC stands for Diplomas, Legends, and Cards. Because (laughs) you know him from video game high school as Ling in Disney's Mulan and Talking Magic the Gathering on the Command Cast. We are delighted to welcome... Jimmy Wong to the show for the first time. Welcome, Jimmy.
2: Thank you. I'm still amped from that opening music. Wow. Yeah. That and the uh, the whole uh, – I, I thought you were going to yell, let's get ready to rumble or something at some <laughs> point, but that's clearly copyrighted, so you can't do yes, that. Yes, right.
1: Can't do that. But, yep, uh, sh- you know, sh- we shut get down the next episode. Uh, He said it. Jeff, Jimmy said it. We got we to <laughs> it down,
2: wrap it up. I, I didn't do the l- – <laughs> oh, I I, I'll just stop. You, you can finish it in your
0: heads. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I'm excited to have you on. We got, we got so much to uh, sort through, so let's jump in and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story on the Week. It's the Story on the Week. Story of, the week. The story, of the week. story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can send stories or comments or questions, anything. We love hearing from you there at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also visit our subreddit. That's 5 by 5 dlcredditcom Or hang out with us in the Discord. That's 5x5dlc.com. On Discord as well. But Jimmy, you are our guest. So mm-hmm. you get first pick of stories. What would Ooh. you consider to be your story of the week?
2: Well, I, you know, we have a lot of stuff that happened this week. PlayStation had some stuff. Nintendo obviously had some stuff. I'm a diehard Nintendo kid. So I think the the what are we even calling it? The new Nintendo Switch, not so new O L E D version. Yeah. Is definitely the biggest news that has been across my timelines. And all of the anger. That went along with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's dive into that. I mean, it, Christian, you and I, uh, we put out the show one day later last week because of the holiday, and we still, <laughs> we still didn't get the big news. Uh, we always miss the big, big news uh, right after we posted our episode. Nintendo announced the much, much rumored new version of the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I think they're calling it Nintendo Switch OLED, which is a just a snappy <laughs> title. Perfect, you know?
1: the perfect. It's like, what is it? Well, it's the Switch <laughs> with the OLED. What should we call it? i thought we already nintendo. settled on that <laughs> yeah
2: i mean let's not like, kid around console names have been awful forever
1: yes, xbox
2: like true. xbox is not a good name playstation <laughs> if you just look at it abstractly is awful and then nintendo wii and wii u i think nintendo definitely takes the cake for just not doing it <laughs> the
0: best i think you're right i think you're right All the, the wii and the is the pretty wii u good name. Oh.
1: yeah switch is good Switch. Oh, is good. Oh, story on that though real quick my youngest daughter who's six who's playing they have the switch Lite. she was playing on she picked up she goes "Dada, why is it called a switch when it's not a light switch
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, switch light not a light switch that's funny I explain that's and i
1: go oh well it's because on the other one like mine you can hook it up to the tv or play it handheld and she goes but i can't on mine and i go uh-huh and she goes and it's switch light that doesn't make any sense and i'm like so welcome proud.
0: to my life <laughs> yes this so is what i do for a living So proud. kids are way smarter than we are <laughs> yeah uh, well, the details on the Nintendo Switch OLED is that it's going to be $350. It's going to launch Oof. October 8th worldwide. It is going to have a 7-inch OLED screen, which is, what, point, uh, point 0.8 but larger than the current Switch screen? So slightly larger, ever so slightly larger, point 0.8 of an inch. Um and uh everything in the innards evidently is the same it's going to be the same form factor basically it's going to work with all your existing peripherals it'll dock with the same dock uh it's going to have new color white that's fun and um
1: and a new dock it ha- it also comes with a new dock that has wait for it built-in LAN cable support so yeah nice. well, thank- welcome to 2004 <laughs> We'll take yeah, it back but further welcome to the PS Vita launched with yeah, an OLED no screen, right? <laughs> like, yeah, know, it's true.
0: Um, so obviously, a lot of people were expecting the, the rumors of the new Nintendo Switch were that it was going to support 4K natively. This one does not, it is still only a 1080p, even in docked mode. Um, there is no faster processor in this thing, it is exactly the same, it's just a, a sharper, nicer screen, slightly larger. Jimmy, you mentioned some of the people who were upset about this. Are you one of them? Were you hoping for more from this update to the Switch? Oh, heck
2: no, dude. Why would I be? <laughs> I have a PC. I have a PlayStation 5. The Nintendo Switch holds a very specific part in place in my life, and it doesn't need to be a next-gen console. Okay. Now, the thing that I am thinking, why didn't they at least upgrade this part? Because you'll see it happen with every Apple product— is the battery. That mm. is definitely the thing that has caused me the most pain when I travel or when I used to travel, I guess, with the Switch. is like, oh, man, I've run out of battery. And two hours into this flight, I didn't get to do what I wanted.
0: Yeah. No, that's a great point. And I haven't heard many people complaining about that, but that's a huge point that you, usually with these revisions, you at least get some, some efficiency uh, of the battery or a better battery in and of itself. And, yeah, I mean, there's no mention of that.
2: Heck, the OLED might drain the battery even faster. Yeah, <laughs> good That's a Who great knows? point. But yeah, I'm not like... I'm a huge Nintendo fan, but they've always, you know, played to their own beat, to their you know, beat, their own drum. Whatever the saying is, Nintendo clearly doesn't care to compete with the other, com- you know, the main consoles because they their sales are insane. They're yeah. clearly still doing a great great job and yeah. indie game developers everywhere are hailing the fact that the Switch exists because it gives them so much more potential to be something now. Um, so I still love the Switch and I wasn't I didn't when like when I heard the rumors I was like oh sure an update would be cool. I don't want to have to spend more money. So I'm actually kind of glad that it's not a major upgrade because I'm totally fine with the screen as it is and I mostly play on a dock on a TV anyway.
0: Okay. Well Christian you and I uh whiffed on this hard because I think we were, you know we were reading those rumors uh I think we both predicted a a sort of new 3DS style upgrade where it was mm, going yeah. to divide the the user base a bit into the uh the people who have the faster processor version and the people who don't and as jimmy referenced there's a, a lot of people upset i think i was one of them a little disappointed when i saw this announcement like oh i was hoping for a beefier thing at least 4k i was hoping for native 4k no 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 but maybe this is smarter uh kind of as jimmy was indicating that that uh nintendo isn't bifurcating their user base and having the haves and the have-nots and oh this one works with the new switch and this one doesn't and uh or this one you know you can't play it on the old switch and the form factors different none of that <laughs> none of those problems are are being introduced here so christian is this actually a smarter move from nintendo
1: well until we go back and have our reckoning i'm not go- i see what you tried to do i'm not going to confirm or deny how that my prediction wrong are correct. you that's my no, I, did, I think my prediction uh was accurate and this is a new console and i nailed it perfect uh, <laughs> <laughs> i, I so one i mean to jimmy's point yes like not only does Nintendo Nintendo march to the beat of their own drummer, they don't even care what that saying is, right? Like they're <laughs> they, right. they march to whatever they want to do and it sells like gangbusters every single time. Uh two, I I wonder how much the international the global chips shortage played into this. You know, Jeff, you and I kind of laughed about NVIDIA introducing newer chips when they're now air quote, older chips are still impossible to find. <laughs> so right. I mean, could Nintendo source a newer NVIDIA chip in scale to be able to meet demand that would do things mm. like DLSS or 4k or whatever the, you know, the newer thing was is that like Ford's, the New Bronco, which I had talked about for a while, like that seemed a bunch of production delays because of chip shortages, Chevys. Wow. they had to turn off the uh, cylinder deactivation on some of like their car. where like if you're just cruising on the highway, it makes it basically like a four cylinder because you don't need the torque of you know, low end whatever. They couldn't do that because that microchip that runs that couldn't be sourced. so i I don't know if that played into it at all, but Good point, I, I think we kind of have to consider it in today's day and age. And also, nintendo still can do you know like yeah do, this is called the switch oled there's nothing there's nothing stopping them come february to being like here's the switch oled 4k new you know or whatever yeah. they want to call it i think to me uh the biggest bummer is that there's not an updated joy con because joy con drift is oh yeah is real and and two.
0: My kid just was crying about it about 15 <laughs> minutes ago. I'm not even joking. He was literally crying like I, Mario keeps falling off the ledge and I'm not doing it. And I was like
1: just Nintendo. Tell, just tell him that they fix it in Fast 9. He won't understand the reference but it, it makes sense. It all comes <laughs> around after Drift.
0: Um, just, Justice for my hands. <laughs> is what <you're> and <laughs>
1: well done my friend. Uh, yeah that was nice. The best, the true dad.
0: <laughs> true dad yeah. Don't the don't. best
1: news out of this has to be that i don't want it like i'm so relieved you know like when yeah i feel you there right like when new
0: tech comes (laughs) out money stays in your wallet is what you're saying i mean
1: no i'm going to find something else to spend it on (laughs) something newer and more 4k yes but as someone who plays docked a lot and or we have a a switch light um you know i don't air quote need this in any way shape or form i do think it is interesting and this is maybe the most nintendo-y thing of all of this it's like how do you predominantly play your switch well handheld mode okay cool they make a switch for that which one (laughs) is it the light or is it this oled you know like the oled is attractive if you play in handheld mode the most with its kickstand and all that stuff but Mm. then they also specifically sell a switch that is only playable in handheld mode. It, yeah. It's classic Nintendo, but it's going to sell like hotcakes. If I didn't have a switch, this is certainly the one I'd buy. Um, and I'm relieved. I don't, I don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No yeah.
0: I'm kind of relieved in, in the same way. Cause I, there was a part of me that was like, okay, my, my kid's playing a lot of switch. I can hand him down that one and I can get the new shiny one when it comes out. Uh, and now I'm like, I don't even need the new shiny one. I don't, I don't need that. I, we can share. We can share. So. Uh, yeah, a little disappointing, but a little little Nintendo-y. As far as your, um, your idea that it may have been due to sort of COVID-based chip shortages, I think that's certainly a possibility. One wonders how quickly they could pivot. You know, if they were really making this new, uh, beefier switch, like how fast would they be able to pivot to this? I don't know if that proves your point or disproves your point. It, I don't think we'll ever really know, but... It's an interesting theory because it certainly could have happened um, with the way the world is now. Nintendo could have been like, we were going to make this, you know, a faster thing, but we just can't. So we're going to put this out anyway.
2: They already get so much flack from their fans in general, and maybe they don't care, right? Like, I've noticed a lot of companies that are not US-based could care less about what the internet thinks of them.
0: Um, (laughs) Smartly, probably.
2: Especially, like, the Sakurai's of the world, because he just gets so much anger and vitriol from Smash fanatics that demand and feel entitled to what they want. Yeah, I feel like, though, there could be a backlash if Nintendo announces a new thing with a fancy new chip in it, and just it's impossible to get. It's right. not even like, yeah, some people got it. Because, you know, like with PS5s, they're slowly rolling out. And you know that, yeah, it's hard to get. But if you're on the internet and you're maybe you have a bot helping you, you're going to be able to get one eventually. But maybe Nintendo just doesn't even want to be in those waters. And who knows? Maybe they're just not ready to release a new version either.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if this is the last uh, Switch revision we get before the next big console. Or if they will do another Switch revision—it's certainly, like you said, Jimmy. It's certainly selling, uh, and it will continue to sell. So,
2: like hotcakes, yeah. Switch is like the number one selling thing ever. I feel like more yeah, than it's... the Bible. To be honest, <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> their only competition is the Bible. Before, yeah.
1: before we move from this, Jimmy, if 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 I may, I'd love to kind of circle around on your point of, you know, those rumors and the anger and vitriol that Nintendo kind of saw, and not so much from Nintendo's standpoint, but on the side of, do we as fans let ourselves get too hyped up into these rumors. You know, like, Nintendo never came out and said anything about this, and so, like, Mm -hmm. our disappointment now is kind of you think you find the Christmas present or birthday present in the closet from your, you know, and you're like, Oh, it's that size. It's that thing. And then your birthday comes and it's clearly not that because that was a vacuum that your parents bought, you know, or whatever it right. is. Why
0: did they right. wrap the vacuum?
1: <laughs> to make it fun <laughs> for everyone, Jeff, come on. Oh, I see. Um, like You know, to what extent should we dial those things back? And like, we're only hurting ourselves in the long run. I think it's impossible to like
2: enact worldwide change like that, or at least internet wide (laughs) change. Cause I think one of the great uh, conundrums about the internet is when you say something in the wrong form and it just feels like you're getting dogpiled on. It's like, Oh my gosh, I must be wrong about something. But it's like, no, no, no. You walked into the room where you're outnumbered 10 to one with the people that are going to say you're wrong. And so I think like, because there's so much readiness for people to jump on other people's angers and feel justified by their anger, it's really hard to stop like gamer entitlement. Um, maybe as everyone grows older and learns that, hey, the world actually wasn't made for you, um, th- a little bit of that mentality will just disappear with that added wisdom. But it, you know, when it comes to games and stuff, it, it's a brand new thing, right? In the last like thirty, forty years. And it just maybe we haven't I mean, I don't know. I guess people get the same way about TV and too, and that's been around for much longer. So maybe it's never going away. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Once well, the internet is what it is. And there that's is. relatively new. So uh, all right, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week?
1: Yeah, I feel like the other big story, well, there are two. There are two very large other stories um, for this week, but I want to spend some time talking about Sony's state of play, where they focused on third-party games and also, I guess it is technically a, a third-party game, also showed off uh, Microsoft's Deathloop, which is so, it's so weird, right? Like here's a <laughs> in-depth state of play for, um, but Sony had a state of play, a lot of third-party games that they highlighted, they did do an extended play of Deathloop, and, and as relevant to the bonus content at the end of this episode, it cold opened with a pretty good sized trailer um, for a VR game Jeff you and I both really loved. The yes. sequel to Moss, and this is Moss Book Two coming to PlayStation VR sometime at some point but
0: yeah which playstation vr on which consoles like very vague very vague. hopefully hopefully it's the new playstation vr uh, I, i'm hoping i will tell uh, you
1: the bonus content does not answer
0: that <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure sort of everybody's <laughs> mum about that uh, but um you know moss was always pitched as this episodic content yes idea and the first game certainly ends on a bit of a cliffhanger and uh, again like you said we love moss whenever anybody's like i just got a new vr headset what should i get moss is always in that list of games that i suggest it is phenomenal it is beautifully made it shows off vr it shows off a different side of vr as well i mean there's a lot of everything is that first
1: person here are my hands and this is right immerses Mm -hmm. you in a world in a totally different
0: way using a controller and, and yeah you're 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 interacting with the world in a really unique novel way and I am so a book excited. Type of to way, more. A novel way. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm <laughs> done. Sorry. Well, it is actually because you kind of is like a book. Anyway, um, yes. So it's uh, I'm I'm super excited to see that, and I'm super excited that they used it to open the open the state of play. Like that feels like a a prime location for a top tier property, and I'm I'm hoping that Sony sees it that way. I'm mm-hmm. also hoping that like the first Moss, it isn't exclusive to PSVR and that it'll be on other VR headsets and Steam. Yeah, and- I think
1: Moss was timed, right? I think it was timed exclusive yeah. to Sony. I would, and again, not answered. There's good stuff at the end, I promise. <laughs> it's good, but that also is not answered. No. Um, my gut, it's a timed ex- exclusivity, but I do love, yeah, if you have Moss, you can play it on anything now. My hope would be that this would go that way too
0: lot of other games here that were showcased uh arcade arcade i guess it's pronounced arcade get yeah. um tribes of midgard uh 50 forged in shadow uh hunters arena legends seafood jet the far shore demon slayer Hinokami chronicles lost judgment the death stranding director's cut and then of course the big uh marquee game which is that death loop extended gameplay so Of that stuff, Jimmy, what tickled your fancy most?
2: A couple of things. I never played Death Stranding on the PS4. And recently, right, we've seen this happen with a bunch of games. Just sort of go from the PS4 version to the PS5 version. Either you pay, like, 30 bucks to get the next-gen upgrade, but it plays with these cool, like, better frame rate versions, you know? Yeah. Um, So I'm really excited to play Death Stranding finally. I've been waiting... I know it hit the... It's on PC now, right, too, right?
0: I yeah, it that. is, yeah.
2: So I've been waiting to play this for a while, and I didn't really want to play it on the computer, so I'm excited to get a chance to do so on the PS5. And I think that's actually going to be the case for a lot of different games uh, for people. Like, I, I could even see people, like, you know, getting back into Horizon Zero Dawn because the next one's coming on the PS5. So I'm pretty excited to jump into that. Um, and then outside well, of be- that... Before you jump, in, oh, before yeah, you yeah,
0: yeah. move on from that, I want to ask you, the, the sort of reception of Death Stranding, did that... <laughs> make you more or less likely to want to play it
2: more because yeah. I think a lot of people just don't understand what exactly the the director of the game is doing like, yeah Kojima has just always been three steps ahead in a different way and like in like it's like oh could you go left or right or could you go Kojima and I think Kojima's always <laughs> sort of setting yeah. his own path um and like it's it's really interesting to see just how his mind works and what he thinks is gameplay and fun because that's why i like nintendo so much too is because when you play their games you're like oh this isn't about trying hard necessarily this is about having fun with people and groups of friends and kojima i think is in a similar vein doing stuff with games that is not necessarily like hey you're not doing this so you can click click shoot face you're doing this because you want to be involved with the world like the last metal gear solid the things you could do in that game were were just incredible it felt like breath of the wild in a way so i think for a lot of people, Death Stranding is one of those games that people are going to come back to in three or four years and go like, you know what? This game was actually super freaking cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, th- I really think highly of the game just as a a bold, interesting experiment. And it looks like, based on what they showed in this state of play, that the director's cut is going to, I think is going to bring it a little even closer to a Metal Gear Solid type experience. Yeah. There's like more
2: battle mechanics. Yeah. And they're like adding in like a firing range and stuff I saw in the trailer. Yeah. Um, which is totally fine by me. Like I think all the games that Kojima makes, in my mind, are all set in the same universe. You know, he's kind of making his own <laughs> right. MCU. So I'm totally fine to yeah. have that be the case. And I'm just, you know, I'm excited because I like. I, I don't know if you have, you all have a PS5, but yeah. I was playing the Spider-Man game on it, and you could switch between the like high resolution mode and the high frame rate mode. Mm-hmm. And the high frame rate mode, I don't think I ever want to play games at a lower FPS than what you get there. It just totally. feels buttery smooth and it just feels so much better to do stuff that yeah. when you switch back to the other mode you're like oh my gosh oh gosh oh what year is it
0: exactly that's how i played ratchet and clank too is like oh my god i i i want all the bells and whistles and all the funny uh wonderful graphical sparks yeah. and magic but the frame rate is just so nice yeah so nice yeah uh anyway so what was the other game you were going to pull out
2: so I'm really bad at fighting games in general, uh, but I'm a big fan of Demon Slayer, and I know a lot of my friends are going to be excited for this too. When the Dragon Ball Z fighting game came out, a lot of my friends got really into it, and I just loved how it felt, you know, like mixing in sort of like anime-looking cutscenes into your special moves and all that stuff. And yeah. this Demon Slayer late game looks to be very similar to that, um, so I know for a fact that a lot of my friends are going to be playing it and that means I don't need to necessarily buy it, but I could go over <laughs> to their house, play my favorite character, have a laugh, drink a beer, do fun things in that gaming world. Um, yeah. which is to me, like the ultimate gaming experience is like going over to your friend's house or having someone over and being like, Hey, do you want to fire this up? You know, whether it's rocket league or FIFA or a fighting game and just messing around like yeah. that to me is something I look forward to very much so.
0: It does look like it's over to- over the top in all the best ways. Um, yeah, so that Demon Slayer looked really cool,
2: and that um, show is killing it in Japan. It is oh yeah, it's it's incredible. Uh, I, I had no, I wouldn't, you wouldn't think that like a sort of like a regular like just a guy trying to be a cool better samurai would be the number <laughs> one show, and the movie outsold the tickets that Spirit of the Way got in the box office. So wow. it's clearly a very popular show, um, and it's going to be around for I think quite a while.
0: Very cool. Uh, that's Demon Slayer Hinokami Chronicles um the couple games that really piqued my interest was a jet the far shore which is the new game from the uh super brothers sword and sorcery team um and i love that game i think that game is a a classic but this game really has interesting ambitions It, it it very much has a no man's sky vibe yeah but they're attempting it won't promise as so- much though, right? <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> smartly, I think they're not. But it, they're really trying to create something, I think, that... They, they said a, a very fascinating thing in the voiceover for the trailer was, it's a game that, that is about exploration and action, but it isn't relying on combat or resource collection. And you go, okay, well then, what else is there? And I think that's a fascinating question to ask. Like what it's it's they talk about it being um interacting with the wildlife and being respectful of them you're not just slaughtering everything you see it's trying to understand things and mm-hmm. and you know f- find ways to interact with the uh with the native wildlife and the and the environment in in more uh respectful ways i just i just think that's a that's a cool thing to attempt and i'm curious about how well they're going to pull it off uh so i just i like games that are trying to do something different. And this one seems very much to be doing that.
2: Remind me of journey a little bit too, with that description you just gave.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: I, I don't know what it's called, but on TikTok, uh, I'll occasionally get fed this person's feed. It's just like, Hey, I'm developing a game. Literally all you do is fly this disc across the ocean and sand dunes. And just, it looks pretty and it's supposed to be soothing. And it's literally just for your mental health. Hmm. And I was like, Oh, I would totally just sit and play this kind of thing because I, my favorite part about Journey was getting to the point where your cape was long enough that you could just glide and soar yeah. everywhere. And so a game that's, like, aesthetically pleasing and does a lot of that, Jet seems to do a similar type of thing with a little bit more action involved because you're, yeah. you know, like a spaceship. Yeah, it just
0: feels that. nice. Yeah, yeah, it feels I nice and the visuals are good. Yeah, uh, and then the other game that I think that is totally my jam is Tribes of Midgard, which basically looks like Diablo, um, multi- multiplayer Top down, uh, you know, crazy builds and and fun uh, over the top action. So, uh, I'm certainly it's co-op into that too, one. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Christian, any uh, any polls? Maybe you want to talk about Death Loop. What did you? What was your take?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Before that, I mean, I think Sifu is it's receiving a delay to early. Yeah,
0: it's got delayed like everything. But yeah, <laughs> to
1: early 2022. That game still yeah. looks phenomenal to me. I love. The idea of what that game is going
0: for. Oh, wait, this is the
2: one where you get
1: older every time you die, right? Yes. Right, yeah. <laughs> yes. I love that. The way it captures the flow of combat, which I haven't seen yet or heard about, is kind of how that age dynamic maybe affects gameplay. Right now, it just looked like. You got a little more salt in your hair. Uh, you have to go to the bathroom slightly more often. You wake up at yeah. the crack of dawn. Yeah. yeah you
2: got to be at dinner at press, four. Press X to ache. <laughs> but it looks, press Y to remember your old injuries. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. It looks really interesting. And this, this was a nice, another extended look at it. And I thought a really interesting way to re- reveal the delay, also how they were showing the character aging up, aging up, aging up, and then they kind of aged up the release date. So that is a game I'm still... <laughs> Very excited for it, hopefully the game didn't die to come back <laughs> now later, <Yeah. laughs> one year later um, in death loop, man, I mean, I know they're making it, but it looks so arcane, right like it I mean if you design, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel yeah what's an arcane game? I'd be like, well, you know it has these elements it's just like powers and like.
0: Got yeah, if they play. said this was the new Dishonored, I'd be like, yeah, that that tracks. Right. And like,
1: it feels like Dishonored in every trailer I've watched.
0: Yeah. Like It's like, like
2: mul- now you
1: just have this loop ability <laughs> as yeah. the Assassin. It, it feels like a multiplayer, uh, and I don't mean this negatively, but like expansion to Dishonored or something like that, which I think is right. awesome. I love the tone. I love the vibe. I think the characters seem really compelling. They all seem – um exaggerated but also not caricatures but kind of these exaggerated personalities in this world and, and I think there's enough mystery to it that I want to know more like the whole idea behind this loop or you know this dangerous game however you want to phrase it um, it looks it looks really cool and that arcane level design you know if it can really shine here this dare I say I mean is this a rogue type? Will this be the one that, that hooks me next or will I get frustrated by the by the mechanic over and over again but so far i think it looks really mm. good what was the last game that hooked you super hard i mean for the rogue type or genre it was hades but most oh, of yeah, them don't too. click for me like most of them i'm more of like a you know way back like Mega Man or celeste like i I like def difficult or even bloodborne but i i want to be able to maybe memorize but like see my way through a run and mm-hmm. not know that i played for two hours and still hate my life <laughs> right right celeste yeah. what a game oh my gosh what i game. love that game it's so it's beautiful but yeah i'm excited for death loop and it i i think it has all of those you know things that that are arcane strengths and i'm I'm super curious to see its reception you know as this timed to sony exclusive now and, and see if the the fans kind of gravitate toward it or if there's this fold my arms and I'm i'm waiting for game pass kind of approach two years from now or whenever that is
0: I think it's only one year. I think it's a year exclusive. Okay. Like September 2022 is when it could be on Xbox. And I'm sure it'll be like the moment it comes up. It'll be on on Game Pass. With DLC
2: or something, you know? Yeah, probably. It's like slowly approaching, and it's never going to get there fully, but it's like kind of slowly approaching Cyberpunk levels of like, oh, I'm hyped for this. I can't wait. It's the thing I'm looking forward to similar type genre gun and go right (laughs) so i hope hopefully hopefully the delays are worth it i think everyone's been sort of a little bit scarred by that seeing that yeah i
0: i hope the loop stuff feels cool and doesn't feel tedious you know Mm -hmm. i i get a little worried where it's like your goal is to kill all the people in one run it's like well if i killed three in the last run am i just starting over and i have to i don't know i mean i guess that that is a roguelite but I don't know. I'm a little skeptical that it's going to be a game that I will love, but it certainly looks well-made. And the arcane sort of combat, improvisational, all these abilities at your disposal stuff is so well done. And I I have no doubt they're going to nail that.
1: It's like abilities and paths, you know? And and I feel like in Dishonored – there probably aren't as many as I think there are, but I, you come across, the, it seems like a sandbox in terms of how you approach things. So I, to, I can go to that window. That window sounds pretty good. Well, of course, I knew I'd go to that window because so there's two guards there. Well, I'm not going to go to that window because that's not clear what they right. want me to do, but I'll go down to the sewer. Well, of course, there's something in the sewer because that's where they wanted me to go. And you get to play <laughs> in your head. And I think if this game can capture that and it doesn't hinge just on these air quote boss battles, I think it could be really fun to... You know, plan your run and, and and see everything that they've they've built into these levels.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, before we move on to my story of the week, oh, you know what? I just wanted to say one thing real quick before we even leave the state of play is uh, Arcade is totally the game I would have written off and been like, don't care about that <laughs> until I played um, uh, 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 Knockout City because oh, yeah. like knockout city was that for me as well where i was like hey, i don't care about that you know moving on and then i played it and i was like i love this game right. so arcade again could be could be good i just it just doesn't look like the kind of game i would love but maybe I'd it's a run. crowded field i feel like yeah it's, it's hard to
2: get any leeway in this world when it's like smash bros exists call of duty exists like yeah. we people have like settled in on these are our multiplayer big time games and i think you know i i I was screaming within two seconds of playing uh uh, knockout city because it was so much fun yeah but then i never saw i never played it again hopefully arcade (laughs) again and you know it's it's already i think early access and stuff so maybe it'll catch fire
0: not a great title not not a great
2: yeah it kind of i thought it was like worms armageddon i was like a
0: new worms game
2: exciting. (laughs) i'm done for that
0: all right let me uh take a second and thank our first sponsor which is ritual hey you take a multivitamin you should And you deserve to know what you're putting in your body and why, especially when it comes to something that you take every day, like a multivitamin. And Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms that your body can actually use. What won't you find in Ritual? Sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, and artificial colorants, plus the fresh taste and delayed release capsule design make taking your vitamins easy. I've been taking Ritual now for quite a while, my wife even longer, and uh, she loved the fact that it was easy on her stomach. It's, it's made to be taken, you don't have to take it with food. A lot of multivitamins you want to take with food or will upset your stomach, especially people oh. with sensitive stomachs. My wife is one of those people. She has a very sensitive stomach. And so she was very pleased to be able to take Ritual without having to schedule it around meals. Sometimes you forget you're eating or you're, you know, you just want to be able to take the the vitamin when you remember. And that's Mm -hmm. so nice. Uh, And a multivitamin should be able to be used by your body, right? You want to have key nutrients in forms that your body can actually use with none of those extras that uh, kind of make it like one step forward, two steps back.
2: Every time I eat a gummy bear, by the way, that's like, this has vitamins. I'm like, I I don't know.
0: I'd rather take a pill. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I mean, a ritual has vitamin D3. Uh, It's got the, the stuff that you need to fill in those gaps that your diet, even if you're eating a great diet, won't necessarily do. And now ritual is available for women, men, and teens in scientifically developed Categories designed to support those different life stages. Plus, you can have a healthy habit easily with Ritual because it is delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. You can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription anytime. And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. So get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering listeners of DLC 10% off for your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash DLC to start your ritual today. That's dot com slash DLC for 10% off your first three months of ritual.
2: You forgot one category of people ritual is made for hmm. gamers.
0: Indeed. Yes, for <laughs> sure. Gamers, you got to be healthy too. So we try to say, you, you know, gaming and, and health are not mutually exclusive categories. That's for sure. <laughs> um, all right, so my story of the week is this fascinating thing that started as a leak but now has been confirmed by Ubisoft. Me and that pants. is. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when I really? found that tweet, I got really no, it's embarrassed. It's not UPSoft. It's Ubisoft. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Thank Dude, you. He fits right in here. He fits right in. I'm taking um, over, actually. <laughs> I uh, Ubisoft has now confirmed that Assassin's Creed Infinity is in development at its Montreal and Quebec studios. This is just starting development, so we don't know how far out it is. It could be multi-years before we hear anything about Assassin's Creed Infinity, but it unifies a bunch of teams that were in-house Ubisoft teams, and it is something that leaked officially first, and then um, Ubisoft has confirmed it, that Infinity will be a live-service platform game Whose, inter, uh, whose individual components will be connected but look and feel different. So this is basically taking Assassin's Creed and turning it into Fortnite or Grand Theft Auto Online. Mm. And we don't really know many details of how this will work. If it means that we're not getting other sort of mainline Assassin's Creed entries on the way to Infinity or alongside Infinity, if this replaces those we don't really know any of that stuff yet, but it seems like this is a real major tw- trend. We know that Halo Infinite, uh, these, these Infinite and Infinity, it's the new. It's this is the new suffix that is, is going to be added to all the franchises. Infinity. Um, we know this is a trend, and I'm curious, Jimmy, what you think about games that have previously been, you know, numbered sequel long franchises going to this live service model
2: i feel like assassin's creed should have done this like three creeds ago
0: (laughs) three creeds ago (laughs) because
2: i remember my exact moment of assassin's creed burnout was right when they released the pirate ship
0: one Mm, black flag um
2: yeah black flag because i I loved two to death i play i got every single feather you know like all right i degened that game and i played three a bunch as well and then four i started losing the the luster. i think black flag was five and it just didn't make sense for them to keep coming back to a system that was it, like, right? Like the, it's not like they massively improved the gameplay from Creed to Creed. It still was very much similar or they simplified things um, or made things a little bit better. So I actually kind of like this mode a little more. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, it's a much easier way to maybe convince me to get into it because it's like, hey, cool. What if you can now collect things for your character and you have like awesome legacy outfits you can wear that are tied to your account? Yeah. So that when you play an Assassin's Creed game, you're okay paying for the next expansion because you have all of your sort of like – and the same reason I loved playing WoW and stuff back in the days. You have a really cool inventory and stuff that you've proudly gotten over the times because me getting all the feathers in Assassin's Creed 2, no one knows but me, my brother, and my parents who were very <laughs> frustrated with me for spending 12 hours straight to do so. But I got
0: the feathers, mom. I got the feathers. Uh, and, now
2: there's, and, yeah, and and I got a little bloop. It was like achievement unlocked. And, and then I felt sad that that was all there was to it.
0: <laughs> you know, it's interesting. This quote um, from the official statement from Ubisoft says, uh, rather than continuing to pass the baton from game to game, we profoundly believe this is an opportunity for one of Ubisoft's most beloved franchises to evolve in a more integrated and collaborative manner that's less centered on studios and more focused on talent and leadership no matter where they are within Ubisoft. So in a lot of ways, it's about sort of internal structuring. And I know there's been some upheaval around this uh, with the studios. But I think if I, I were to imagine, now I don't know that this is what this is. I'm just speculating here. But if they created a system where the main hub of the game is this futuristic Assassin's Creed world, and you can get into different animuses, based on which history you want to go visit and they put out new histories you know you go i get in one animus and i go play the ancient greece and another one i go to uh you know renaissance italy and another one i go to feudal japan and another one i go you know like they put out they go to egypt and, and they put out new these new games that are basically new assassin's creed games but they're all connected in the same shared universe and you have progression that goes between games like you're talking about with you know fun uh, aesthetic things and you have this this progression that persists from game to from from eon to eon you know era of of history to the next i mean i'm sold already by the way that sounds cool right i think that could <laughs> yeah, be that e- really cool they have the structure in place with the fiction of the of the world mm-hmm Christian, what do you think of that? Are you, think, are you into this idea? And, and as the same question I asked Jimmy, what do you think of sort of live play taking over as a trend?
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like with this Creed, both of you all are embracing it with arms wide open. Um, oh! <laughs> and, and two knives that come out of our arms. <laughs> so. Wide open and then into a kill. That's the, that's how all yeah. Creed songs actually work. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I, so I think your pitch, Jeff, sounds exciting. I, I don't no, if that's what i think of when i think of a live service game perhaps and i and i think when i think mm. of a live service game I, I think back to jimmy's point earlier about there are already so many games uh, that take people's free time to me live service yeah. is like call of duty or fortnite like that kind of mm. apex legends those expanding evolving multiplayer centric games because what you're describing to me jeff kind of sounds like i think it sounds i think
0: it sounds yeah. awesome but it, it, yeah, you know what? I don't have infinite of time, Halo <laughs> time, or money, <laughs> or money. Yeah, yeah, that's a good
2: point. What if let's let's hypoth- hypothetical the game doesn't succeed? The the subscribership is awful, and they're like, why didn't we just release a single game? And people are our servers are crashing and all that stuff. Does that just end Assassin's Creed in its mm.
1: well, that's in its life cycle. Is that that's it? What I'm curious. Is how does this monetize? Is it a free game with an experience, and then you're buying hubs? Is it more of an MMORPG? Is it Elder Scrolls Online, which is kind of, you know, like MMOs, like Jeff, like WoW, kind of is what you were describing. It's not an amicus that you're in, but you have a central hub and then you go off and do these things, (laughs) you know, like these discrete lands, the way these expansions are built out.
0: But I'm- Well, that's what I think is awesome. That's why I think it's an awesome idea. It's like turning Assassin's Creed into kind of an MMO. Right. Or like neat
1: Destiny, but does Assassin's Creed work like that? To me, that's where I'm not quite sure if I can make, because it's a big leap. If it goes full Destiny or full WoW, like from a very box copy, single player release to- live service infinite game multiplayer game in this assassins creed universe i think sounds interesting but it is very different than what the franchise has been
0: right yeah it, you know what i think honestly is that they've got this ubisoft connect service that has a fee to you know play all their oh, games in, huh? and and it feels to me like hopefully this isn't its own subscription on top of that it would be great if this is just a way to make that a more attractive subscription to keep live all the time so that you don't it's not a subscription where you're just waiting around for the next big tentpole release to come out you know you're just sitting around waiting for the next far cry or whatever to be mm-hmm. like why am i subscribed to ubisoft you have this persistent game world that makes your subscription to ubisoft make more sense to be consistent you know i think that may be the play here and if so i think that's kind of smart but yeah you know I, i'm probably wrong and it's probably another subscription on top of that
1: <laughs> get a 10 percent <laughs> discount if you already subscribe
0: to yeah. this subscription
1: totally. i do
2: like the idea of like you go in and like there's like portals or different animus nmi and you look at it and it's like i want like you said i want to go to feudal japan it's going to cost you 12.99 to get this expansion pack right
0: yeah Cause i think that's it, awesome it,
2: It makes sense because the gameplay of Assassin's Creed has just not changed in the past five iterations. It's the exact same, just slightly gussied up every time. So that makes sense to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a neat way to... And then you could have, you know, the stuff they've toyed with a bit, which is making the future world storyline connect over all the games. Like, they could really go deep on that and make this meta story that's happening in the future world that gives you a reason to go to all these different eras of history and locations around the world link up find and... carmen san diego <laughs>
1: yeah just yeah. get her I'm oh, thinking, i love it thinking that in the future that's going to be the social hub which just says that in the future all humanity does is get together in one room and floss and do like <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally. i want to see like 500 Ezio auditories running around the single lobby spamming emotes <laughs> and, and jumping into the portals totally stuff, what it'll be doing too. the ramen you know? like all the destiny emotes and stuff just eating ramen yeah. making s'mores <laughs> someone paid like 50 bucks for a banana suit too and it's like (laughs) you're ruining my immersion bro
2: do you
0: remember that that multiplayer assassin's creed mode that they put out several creeds ago where uh you were trying to figure out who was real and who was uh, oh Oh. ai it was it was so smart and really really kind of fun Where you it was all about sort of like making your character behave in a (laughs) dumb computer way so people thought you were a dumb computer you know
2: yeah 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 there's another game too where you're a sniper and and the other players are trying to be like you know walk around and like interact with a plant or whatever and try not to be seen or sniped so that that sounds great yeah bring that back it's um, top down perspective too fun stuff
0: all right well the that is the game it is the news of the week let's talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment we call the playlist oh Jimmy, I know you are all about Magic: The Gathering. You do one of the most popular Magic: The Gathering shows on the internet, uh, focusing on Commander. Um, I'm a fan. You're also playing Magic as a video game, right? It's Magic: The Gathering. Now, there's been a, a number of different Magic iterations, Magic Online, Correct. and and so what? Which one are you currently playing?
2: So Magic has had quite a long history with the video game versions of it. There are currently two that are like the big ones. Uh, And that's Magic the Gathering Online, also known as MTGO. Don't think about it. Don't even remember I talked about it. It's not for you. Okay. Uh, And then there's Magic the Gathering Arena, which is, you know, you know what Hearthstone looks like. It's going to be the one that looks the most like that. Mm -hmm. And it's the most up-to-date, ready-to-go on every single console, as well as your iPad and iPhone. And I I believe just most phones actually Android too. Um, And so that's what I've been playing a lot more. Let's talk about that first one. That sounded interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So the reason this, so that's like the dinosaur program. That's the one. So magic, you know, it's been around since 93. There are, 20,000 plus cards, and there are some formats that you can play that are very, very old. So, the older the cards you can play with, the more expensive and harder to get into those formats are. So, there are even formats where you can play the Black Lotus and all of those very special Banned cards. Band cards, and yeah, band, yeah. And so, Magic the Gathering Online is like a very clunky old client, but it's how you would play the very competitive uh, formats like modern, legacy, vintage. And you can get a Black Lotus, but it'll, it'll cost you like you know, a hundred bucks instead of. 20,000 to 500,000 or whatever. Wow. Crazy. Um so yeah, MTG Arena is what I've been playing the most of and I you know for a long time I was just on the PC and then I saw my friend playing it on his iPad and I was like, "Wait a minute. That looks so fun." And so I went home and I took my wife's iPad and started playing on it and went, "Oh boy, this is way better than booting up a computer and sitting in front of a computer and doing all that." And it's it feels much more I don't know, easy, easily accessible, I guess, in that sort of iPad mobile format.
0: Yeah. Now, I know your show focuses on Commander. Yes. I have two questions for you. The first is, is that what you play on the iPad? And the second is, why, why Commander? Why, why how, do you focus on that? Why do you think that's the best mode of play?
2: Definitely agree. It's the best mode to play. Unfortunately, Commander is based around the multiplayer format. Right. And you're allowed to play cards going all the way back to 93. So, MTG Arena just does not support anything beyond 1v1. Okay. And their card pool is only in the, in the last like three or four years since it, the game's been released. So, you can't play Commander on Arena. It would also be really weird to have four. I don't know how they would have it visually to have four screens. So, really, the best way to play Commander is still in person. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I love it. You know, the same reason I loved playing board games with my friends is that there is a. Political element to it. There's a live sort of like conversation element to it yeah. where I could be sitting at a table and being like, hey, Christian, Jeff, Jeff did some crazy stuff last turn. I know you want to attack someone, but you should not be attacking us. I think we all have to focus on that.
1: And I and would just agree whatever you say, by the way. Like, I've <laughs> seen your show. I know, I'd know i be like, yes, sir. And then I would set me up for a trap. I'm in. <laughs> and I'm cackling
2: the whole way. No, but I mean, that's the, the beauty of it is that, like, it's a self-balancing format. Someone can come to the table with a much more expensive deck, let's say, or more overpowered, and you know with the power of friendship you can actually take down an arch enemy um so there are elements to that as well as the whole like oh i'm gonna make a deal with you and haha we can laugh about it and the crazy shenanigans that occurred as a result um and that sort of stuff is the joy of games to me is that element that's probably why i'm such a nintendo fanboy too is because it shares a lot of that same thing which is like it's not when you sit at a table with friends yeah everyone wants to win but it's not a about winning, you're there to play the game and enjoy it. Learn the rules, have some cool interactions, maybe come out with a story, drink a beer or whatever, uh, make some friends. But you're not there to like noob stop or pub stop or crush people necessarily. Yeah. Unless you're that kind of person, in which case, I guess more power to you. Just don't play with people that don't have that as their mentality. Right,
0: right. So for Magic the Gathering Arena on on mobile, other than the uh, you know a deeper card pool or, or a you know longer history of cards available what flaws do you see in it is there things that you would change the things that you wish it, it did better
2: i wish they would find a way to support commander mm-hmm. and make that possible in a mobile setting or just a, even a gameplay setting the closest we have is a program or an app called or spell table mm. which is just like it helps link up four webcams pointing down at the table so that you can play with people Across the world, and that was sort of like the pandemic where the play commander, I think arena, the problem is that, you know, it's too much focused on the fact that it needs to be a digital product that succeeds in a company like Hasbro that wants profits. Mm-hmm. So you know a lot of the magic of magic is that if I sit down at the table with you all and you're like, "Hey, Jimmy, I brought a new card. I wanted to play test, but I don't actually own it, so I just wrote its name on a Sharpie and put it in this sleeve, and it's a play test card everyone at the table would go, awesome, more power to you. Let us know if you like it, and you know if you decide to buy that card, at least you know that you want to have it because you were able to play with it a couple of times and see if it was actually worth the slot in your deck. Mm-hmm. And Arena obviously isn't going to let you write a Sharpie name of a card <laughs> right. in and play with it online. You have to get involved with their ecosystem and all that. So for as much as I love being able to play it and that it's gotten the game into so many people's hands. And if you want to learn magic, just download Arena. It's free. You don't have to put a cent into it and you'll understand every single thing about the game pretty much that you need to get going. Um, but it's that. It's built to be a a program that makes money and plays with formats and things that are more competitive in 1v1. Mm-hmm. So uh, if they could find a way to make it more multiplayer, I would love it. But it doesn't seem like it's in the DNA of what it even is. Right, right. So do you right. think...
1: Magic is hurt a little bit by having such a broad spectrum of ways to play versus something like, and I know there are failed digital-only games also, but like Hearthstone, that is just this thing. If you want to, Hearthstone is Hearthstone. Well, that's not true.
0: Hearthstone has lots of different ways to play. Well,
1: it. I mean, like now it does, yeah. but I mean, it's not, um, it's not a, a legacy uh, card game, right? right? It right. is. Right. You download the app and yeah. play it. In Magic, there are in you know standalone console games going back i think to the ps2 planeswalkers i know a lot yeah. of people that start playing because
2: of that oh, I, the that's
0: me i love that i've played a lot of duels of planes walkers <laughs> yeah the game's great yeah, I,
2: yeah yeah it's a good question uh i would say it's like it can go both ways because i've talked to people that work at wizards of the coast before I've, I've heard from a lot of different people and there's just this sort of thing about magic because it was first in its field mm-hmm. you know it's like it was the big one that set the way kind of like world of warcraft did um kind of like how B, um uh, league of legends did even yeah. though the was first league was like well, no, we're the one um magic is kind of like we're the one and so i think there's a mentality and it makes sense that if you play arena you're more likely to play the card version if you play the card version you're more likely to play arena and it's this wonderful little cycle that goes round and round and as much as like, there's a really big and involved community online, from all I've heard in terms of statistics, the amount of stuff you see online, all the views that we get, that's like 10% of the actual player base of Magic Worldwide because a lot of people just don't engage with any content. They play with their kids around the kitchen table. Yeah. They have cards dating 20 years back or something picked up at packs or something, and they don't care. And that's the beauty of magic is, like, it's almost as ubiquitous as chess. Mm. It's more of a rule set, and then the cards you put into it can be anything. I would right. definitely watch a Queen's Gambit Magic Edition. You, <laughs> there was so much talk about that. kidding me? Yeah. that would be awesome.
0: But yeah. I, magic has never been bigger than it is right now, right? And it's still growing. Yeah.
2: Apparently, uh, and I don't – this is unfounded, but this is what I heard. Back in, like, 2014, 15, there was a period of three years where the player base doubled every single year. Wow. And from what I understand, it has only been growing since. Magic also recently announced that they're going to be doing something called Universes Beyond where it's like, they just kind of did this actually and this is why Jeff and I are, why I know Jeff. is <laughs> um, because they had, they were announced to set last year and like, we're going to do Dungeons and Dragons and, but in the Magic world. So there are going to be cards that like, this is a Mage Hand type effect yeah. but it's on a card that you can play in Magic. They announced that similar collaboration that's going to happen with Magic and Warhammer 40k as well as Lord of the Rings. And if you're fantasy, if you're FGS, fantasy flight, FFG, fantasy flight games, you're just like quivering in your boots because <laughs> you've tried to make card games for all of these things. Yeah. Magic is coming along saying like, "We have the rule set. We're going to make the cards for it now, officially with the brands, collaborative, and all that stuff." And I don't think there's going to be anyone that's going to be able to stop them once they get this train going. Because <laughs> if the entry point is there's a thousand ways to enter and there's no right you can go as competitive as you want or as casual as you want and you can enjoy it every step along the way i feel like magic is just going to be around forever
0: now yeah yeah and the the way that they are integrating dungeons and dragons into the magic rule set is so clever i i just yeah it's really
2: well designed really
0: well designed it's so it's lovely like it it feels like dungeons and dragons and it it also retains the magicness of of the rule set Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty cool so yeah I'm, i'm super excited about it too
2: yeah. One thing that people don't understand about Magic, and the reason why it is so successful, is because their design team, their R&D team, is very good at what they do. They're planning out sets two, three years in advance. Um, you can just look at Hearthstone to see the difference, because Hearthstone didn't like start rotating cards in the right way, and it just felt bland and kind of the same after a while. It lost a lot of the sort of like what keeps it fresh and magic has somehow managed to always update and continually add new things in the design space that make it really fun and interesting and i think it's because they have a design team that's been doing it for 20 plus years yeah. If you go to any of the card game companies legends of runeterra hearthstone and you look at their development team a lot of them are just sniped from wizards of the coast uh, because <laughs> they know that they have what it has what it takes to make a great card did you hear game. that
1: jeff that a uh card game you know you should plan ahead not just uh come up with the changes <laughs> a, a day before that's a weird that's a weird thing
0: oh <laughs> weird concept very inside uh comment just for me just for me uh <laughs> christian and i used to work in a place that made a card game anyway oh nice, um, nice, nice. you know how hard it is then. It, we, yes yes um uh, are you Jimmy, are you a, a like a fan of Richard Garfield? Do you are you you know, do you follow like Keyforge and Rogue Book yeah. and his other Kings projects? Of,
2: King of Tokyo, right? Yeah, Great yeah, game.
0: Yeah. I think Richard Garfield was like a very
2: pure game designer and he didn't mean for magic to become what it did today. Uh I think like back in the day you could like ante up a card and play against someone. And if you won, you got the card. Right. <laughs> the anti up. Yeah. So and like you weren't supposed to know all the cards in the set. It was supposed to be a part of the joy of opening the packs. And now you know everything is immediately out there. People are brewing decks the moment they see stuff. Right. There's a whole secondary market and all this. I don't think Richard Garfield intended for any of that. And he's gone on to make amazing games. So I, I'm a big fan of him and his ethos and all the stuff that he's made so far key Voyage was a lot of fun too yeah his
0: his new video game rogue book uh, just came out and uh, i've been Ooh. playing a bunch of it it's it's pretty good it's pretty good i gotta check it out yeah it's it's really interesting the concept it, it, he's going with on that one is that um there's never any reason to cull your deck there's never any reason to remove cards from your deck you can just always have a bigger deck and oh. that it still ramps up power wise like it's a very interesting idea um from yeah a because
2: most deck building games are like getting rid of a card is like the secret exactly you know, secret ingredient yeah. making your deck better
0: right so he's like attempting to not do that he's to just like it's about acquiring more and more uh and it's a really fascinating design challenge
1: unfettered capitalism i see how it
2: is <laughs>
0: exactly <laughs> <laughs> all right uh christian spicer what is on your playlist
1: as promised, uh, A Plague Tale Innocence has been on my pile of shame for a very long time. And I was getting ready to dive into it. I think the week they announced Series X and S, or I guess Next Gen, I think it also came to PS5, updates to the game. So I was like, well, clearly uh, never play anything and just keep waiting. And it will keep getting better. But I dove in now that that Next Gen update is out. Um, having not played it before, I can't comment to the quality of the patch or 60 frames or anything like that. I'm playing it on my Series X. But it is a very pretty game. So Plague Tale Innocence, if you don't know anything about it, it is a linear style. People compare it to The Last of Us in the sense that it has an, an emotional core narrative that is central to the game. It is not the stereotypical Nintendo game where it's mechanics over story. Like This game exists, in my opinion, primarily for its story and you're going through um, a, a plague, uh, <laughs> a, a rat-spreading plague, trying to survive as a, a brother and sister pair and, and experiencing this horrible world around you. Um, and it is still... Well, I guess I haven't played the original, but I don't think they did like a... This isn't a remaster. It's just a kind of a next-gen patch. It is a very pretty game. I, they announced this um, patch, I think, the same time they announced the sequel. And if any game has me super excited for the Ray Traced version of it, it is the sequel to Plague Tale Innocence. What they do with the lighting uh, just in Innocence is is really, really cool. And there's reflections in the puddles as you're going through this, you know, mucky, um, plague-filled medieval Europe, Um, you know, going through monasteries and churches and out in the countryside and stuff like that, holding torches because it is rat-infested, and those are the things that are kind of carrying this plague uh, throughout the land, and you have to uh, cross it. Uh, on your, I'll speak vaguely to the, because the narrative is such an important part of the story, and so you use light as kind of the puzzle mechanic more often than not to kind of cross these these hazards. And you have a sling, so you can you know knock down lights from different ways, or there's, it's light combat, but it's mostly. Um, uh exploration and and that kind of exploration puzzle solving and then kind of the idea of early metal gear games of avoiding combat like learning the guards patrol patterns and then when you can slip through undetected because if you are seen you are one hit killed it's a i guess that's not true there's ways you can get out of it later but for all intents and purposes if you are seen they come over to you and it's like a picture the new Tomb Raider, you know, a violent, (laughs) you meet a violent end um, pretty quickly. And so people were right, you know, this is a a few years old game. Everybody's like, you would love this, Christian. Why haven't you played it? It is very good. I very much enjoy it. Uh, It plays great now on these next-gen systems. My critiques of the game would be that I think it shows it seems a little more than some of the top-tier third person action narrative air quote linear games Where here there are moments where you send your younger brother to like scamper under a wall and you're separated for a little bit but the thing that i can't climb over is something that i just climbed over something higher than it a moment ago but that had a y mm-hmm. prompt on it and this one doesn't so then i can't like i sneak through some bushes other bushes, like you're in a vineyard for a thing, and you're kind of ducking between all the, all the the grapes and, you know, the vines and stuff like that and hiding in them. And then I turned a corner and there was this bush there and that was an invisible wall. So it doesn't, I think, signal what is explorable and what isn't. It's a very constrained path. So I think in that sense, as long as you stay mainline and kind of do what it's trying to ask you to do, it's... In, uh, engaging, but any it's been a few moments where I like, we'll try to hide somewhere, or duck somewhere, or climb over something, and I I can't like that game logic doesn't encompass it. And then my other kind of critique is similar, where I f- I found that the guards aren't maybe they're too intelligent or not intelligent enough, depending <laughs> on how I look at it. Where like I'll throw the thing to an area to distract them, and they won't go to where I threw it. They'll go to where I threw it from. They'll be like, hey, someone's over here throwing something. And I'm like, no,
3: that's not how really.
1: it. This game has taught me it's where it crashes, not where I go. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't. I, I, it's, I, like... it's a heavy pot, Jimmy. I don't know what to tell yeah, you. Okay. <laughs> some yeah, some yeah, idiot is right. throwing rocks over here. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so it's like, again, probably a, a intelligent trained guard would maybe see that like this thing out of the corner of my eye I keep seeing this kid pop up and throw a rock I should go investigate but I feel like that's not what the game trains you to do and I can't discern I haven't been able to discern the difference between when they'll see me or when they'll react to the thing that I want them to react to Um, and I should say I'm like two-thirds through the game based on the the number of chapters in it Um, but with those two I think big critiques aside uh it is a stellar game that is also on Game Pass and it is part of July's um PlayStation Plus free game catalog as well. And if you just let yourself get sucked into the story and enjoy the moments of solving these light puzzles, really, really, really fun and engaging. My only story thought, and maybe this gets wrapped up at the end, I don't know. I will again speak vaguely, but these rats. I feel like in the world of a plague tale. Instead of our Earth having a molten core, it's just a rat core. Like these, yeah, there's so many of them. It's yes, it's like when a hole opens up in gears and like eighty locusts pop out, and you're like, that hole's not that big. Like maybe four Ninja Turtles could pop out of that, but that's it. <laughs> it's like here a hole opens, and I mean it's tens of thousands of rats run out of this little hole. Um, but it's it's a really fun. Again, the story is what hooks you, and it's it's heartfelt and it's a very small team that kind of put this game together. And, uh, I'm,
0: I'm glad I'm playing it. You sound like somebody who's never been around a rat hole. <laughs> Dude, there's no way Jeff <laughs> or
1: Australia.
2: apparently, right
0: now. Yeah.
1: yeah. Serious problem. I have seen that. I have seen that. Yeah. But it's, it's a plague tale in a sense. Everybody you were right. Um, my retort i'm glad i waited because i'm playing the best version of it (laughs) yeah
2: it reminds me a little bit of last of us just in terms of the resource gathering stealth and then the world is very detailed yeah
1: and tonally it's you know not a game where you leave you know feeling good about humanity (laughs) right right (laughs) yeah
0: it's interesting it must be interesting i mean the game came out before covid but now it's sort of about a plague having lived through a plague I, i mean not the same thing but i don't know if that's changed no. your...
1: well I, I will i guess i'll say this spoiler in chapter four they turn and look at the camera and they go this
0: is about your life jeff canada which like <laughs> only hilarious. lands
1: for one person
0: but <laughs> no that's like what happened with i mean you never played half-life alex but there's a chapter called I jeff and i was like it. this we... game's talking to me <laughs> anyway um all right let me just uh think our second sponsor real quick and that is made in cookware which i used Tonight, I use my made-in pan. It's the only pan I use from now on. It is, I have the no-stick made-in saucepan. And, oh my goodness, it is wonderful. You know, for a long time, I didn't like cooking. And one of the things that I have learned as I have fallen in love with cooking is that a lot of the reason that I didn't like cooking was that I had crappy tools. If you have the right kitchen tools... Cooking is a lot more fun. It's a lot more pleasurable with the with a good knife, with a great saucepan with a good with a good uh, pot, like these nonstick surfaces, these really well- made chef grade restaurant quality materials make cooking easier and therefore more fun. And anyone is capable of making restaurant quality food at home with the right tools. It's so true if I can do it you can do it and made in produces professional quality cookware and knives for those who love to cook or those who don't know they love to cook yet Ooh. could be you uh, they it's sort-
2: literally the entire population of the world i think <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> it
0: does well there are people maybe they just know they hate cooking then maybe there's a slight slight
2: they haven't used made in that's, <laughs> that's all that's i gotta true. say
0: so good <laughs> Uh, made in sources the finest materials and they partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup from putting them in stores and made in products are made to last and they offer get this a lifetime warranty their cookware distributes heat evenly and can easily go from the stovetop to the oven and their knives are fully forged perfectly balanced and stay sharp. They have over 28,000 five-star reviews, and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin-starred restaurants around the world. Made In is better cookware for better meals. So go to madeincookware.com slash DLC, use promo code DLC, and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash DLC, M-A-D-E-I-N. C O O K W A R E dot com slash D L C and promo code DLC for 15% off. Nice. Alright, so uh I want to talk about a game that I've been playing that's just just came out. It is called Black Skylands. And this game is so close to being the perfect game for me. It is so close to being my favorite <laughs> thing. Um, it is a direct top-down pixel art style game very much reminiscent uh, visually to me of my favorite game of all time, which is Ultima 7. Um, just like that pixel art, like it's a big, sprawling role-playing game where you're wondering about what's what's over the next hill and what's beyond the next thing. But this takes place in sort of a steampunk-esque sky world where everything is floating in the clouds and you play this young intrepid girl who uh gets a sky ship and starts exploring this um these aliens i guess they're aliens monsters, i should say monsters that are uh that are uh, disrupting the the world and you're encountering like sky pirates and um baddies of all kinds and it's got this element of uh area control where you can take over certain islands in the sky. Uh, eliminate all the bad guys and then put your good friends there and they can generate resources from you for you and you you know maintain this network of these islands that you control and then sometimes the bad guys will come back and try to take over that island you have to go back and defend it um really cool stuff we paused just so like
1: what is that mechanic like like um this the system of that moment it's it's a
0: it's a it's a real-time combat top-down role-playing game it's basically zelda got it's it. like old school top-down zelda got it
2: but you're in an airship but, and you're like destroying things yes guy.
0: yes the only problem i mean this game is awesome it's got a really great style it's got a cool art uh, uh, art style it's got a really great um um aesthetic to it you know the fiction of this kind of steampunk world is very different it's not retreading the same ground that every role-playing game does it's it's got a real great identity to it and i was so i I played a lot of it i keep getting curious about what's at the next island and you know you'll be going you just flying soaring through the skies above the clouds and just things will happen and this emergent gameplay will happen. You'll just run into some bad guys that will try to attack. It'll be a guy in a jet pack. That's like zooming around your ship and you're trying to line up your cannons to shoot him. And you know, your cannons only shoot off the sides of your ship, like an old school, you know, seagoing vessel sailing vessel. And so you have to line up your twist your ship around and shoot him. And all that stuff is really fun. But I have found that the combat, when you get onto the island, oh, the other thing I left out, which is super cool, is that your character from the word go has this like hook shot thing. So you're constantly hookshotting around. Like you just to get from the dock to your ship, there's a uh. big gap there. And you just hookshot across and you get it, and you have to like physically carry things. There's a bunch of resource management and and um base building stuff where you can build up your base and generate, they generate things and you can craft items and do all that stuff. Uh, And so you have to like get things materials and carry them to the cargo hold of your ship and you hook shot and you, you know, go around and smash things and mine things and, and, um, um, you know, gather herbs and all that stuff that you do in role play games, but you have to like physically bring them to your ship and it's cool. You're like hook shotting around and, it's really clever and definitely different than a lot of other games. But for me, when combat begins, invariably, it becomes this, like, crazy bullet hell, uh, uh. real-time, like, kiting all the enemies, trying to shoot them. Now, I know... As I've got like Enter
2: the Gungeon, right? Like, yeah, it just just bullet spray, yeah,
0: doesn't do it as well as Enter the Gungeon, you know. It's not not that game, it just sort of becomes that game for short bursts. And Mm -hmm. the it, it just felt it's a little harder than I would like, it's a little more, um, more severe. Now, having said that, the death penalty is pretty light, like you if you, you have this resource that you can get by sleeping that will just, when you die, will just send you back to your ship wherever it's parked. And if you're out of that resource, when you die, you just wake up at your base. So basically all that you've lost is the time it takes you to fly wherever it was that you died. So that's nice. It's not like it's really punishing you for, for dying, but the game itself is pretty, uh, I found, I mean, I'm maybe maybe it's just get good, you know, but I'm not that great at it. And I was dying quite frequently and in, in kind of frustrating ways, like just weren't, wasn't able to reload my gun fast enough because the gun has a long reload time. And there's, I'm just kiting enemies around and trying to dodge their really slow moving bullets. And just the combat, like, if it just was a little bit better, if it just felt like children of morta or uh, or enter the dungeon, or like those games that are designed around the combat experience. It feels like the combat experience in this game is just one element of a much more, much bigger, more sophisticated, really cool game. But the combat expe- experience isn't top tier, and it kind of bums me out. I really like it. Again, this game is called Black Skylands, and it's worth checking out. I don't, I don't think it's even a full price game. I got a code, but it is. Um, I think it's like. 30 bucks or less uh so definitely if you're into really cool pixel art role-playing games this is one you should super check out and maybe you're just better at the combat than i am which is likely um (laughs) but but i i found it a a, a just a tad bit more frustrating than i wanted it to be and and the game is an active development so it you know it came out of uh, early access but I know they have lots of updates planned, so maybe a little continue to get better over time too. Uh, I really, really like it. It's like if the combat was just a bit tighter and and more fun, it would be a serious game of the year contender for me because it is it's that cool and different and fun and has so much personality.
2: Is there like a storyline as well that that you follow through, or is yeah. it like open world?
0: Oh yeah, you're saving the you're saving the world from these crazy giant monsters uh, that fly around. Uh, and, you know, all the tons of characters that you interact with and side quests and, you know, it, there's a whole prologue where you, you know, the, everything was idyllic before the monsters came and you learn about all that stuff and you fly around and everything's great and then the monsters come and everything is horrible and on fire. And, you know, it's it's very um, classic role-playing game tropes, but done in a different, you know, with a different um, milieu and, a, and it's got, right. it, I think there's enough unique about it that it, it kept me hooked. Um
2: if you like this game, I think you should, if you haven't, you should play Hyper Light Drifter.
0: Yes, I know. Hyper Dr- Hyperlight Drifter is very good. and Because um,
2: that combat is buttery yeah. smooth and fun. We've had
0: the developer on, on the show, too. Uh, <gasps> very good Amazing.
2: Unique. I'm such a big fan. I can't wait for Solar Ash. Yeah, Great. I know.
0: Solar Ash looks awesome. Um, yeah. Anyway, that is Black Skylands, uh, and it is what I've been playing. Uh, but I've also been playing some VR, so let's talk about that right now
4: all
0: right so vr there's a brand new vr game that just came out that i have to talk about Uh, it is called ragnarok (laughs) now this is basically a beat saber like uh but done with a viking A Viking aesthetic, and you are a bunch
2: of good trailer. Now I love this. You are
0: beating (laughs) massive drums to make the Vikings on your Viking ship row faster. Yes. So you're going down this, you know, this path of uh, of of the ocean or a river or whatever it is in a Viking ship. You're standing on the top. You're beating drums in a guitar hero or beat saber like fashion, hitting the you know the right notes as they come down the pathway. So it's very much a traditional music game in the Beat Saber style where you're like physically slamming things. But what sets it apart is the music is all what you would expect from a game called Ragnarok. (laughs) It is pure like metal shredding. We went down the road to death and we saw all of our ancestors. You know, like, like Viking rock and roll music. And it's awesome. <laughs> if you are even remotely into that kind of thing, it's awesome. And you are, I mean, the game starts with this disclaimers like Ragnarok is a physical experience. Please do some, <laughs> please do some stretching like you would before exercising. Uh And they're not joking, man. You are like slamming these things. And there are the songs get so fast and so wild And the force feedback feels so good when you hit the drums and, you know, you're, you're drumming, you know, there's a lot of these games where you are playing the, you know, the, like the melody and the tune. And in this game, you're playing the rhythm section. You are like driving the, the song and it's fun. It's fun. I mean, it's very much Beat Saber, but if you've like me Beat Sabered out, you know, you've Beat Sabered until you can't Beat Saber anymore. Uh, ragnarok provides just enough difference and tonally it's different enough that it's really fun <laughs> i like it a lot
2: i'm super down to, to download this game
0: yeah and play it uh, Oculus. i think you'll dig it man the music is is so wacky and over the top and in like the the coolest way it's it's really fun and it gets hard dude it gets hard i was sweating for sure it gets heavy Yes, it gets
1: metal it gets heavy metal. Well, yes, so that, exactly. I, I mentioned this off air, but uh, we're at an Airbnb, so we're watching like regular cable. Normally, I don't see commercials that often. Uh, which total side note. My kids love commercials. They hmm. they what? have been deprived of them. And, like, <laughs> well, it's, they were designed oh, for
0: your kids. Commercials, you know, well, yeah. right, so right, for, we all, for malleable minds is yeah. what a commercial is made for.
1: We all grew up just wanting to skip them, and they're like, no, 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 no. I want to see where this bank commercial goes (laughs) so uh as we were watching i think it was the euro final uh here in palm springs there was a i think it was that some sport thing i don't know whatever commercial and i think it was for a bank i don't remember the bank but i remember is that it is a dad in a living room playing like virtual reality you know headset on playing like virtual reality tennis as his partner and daughter rolled their eyes at him and he takes off the headset and he's like whoa did you see that did you see that and like flexes around the room and then walks away but that was a really fascinating moment of one someone pitching that as a commercial and having it go and two you know to some extent jeff like the further mainstream acceptance of vr because i feel like five years ago that wouldn't have worked right no one would know what that person right. was the, doing the reference
0: alone would be yeah would be unrecognized
1: you have a family member suffering from delusions <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes <laughs> yes but like this year in the nba finals oculus is like the title sponsor yeah. and then now seeing just it's like a generic headset but just some i don't know again i don't know what it was chase wells fargo i don't know but some bank doing that for like a, a big commercial i think is really really interesting about the state of vr yeah that is cool.
0: I like that.
2: That's
1: a really interesting, you know, it's something that I was thinking about over
2: the pandemic. We, one of my friends was like, Hey, one of my friends runs one of those VR houses, you know, like you go in and everyone puts on their suits. They have like haptic feedback and you put on the headset and then you go into a huge room that is like an experience. And I was like, Oh sure. Yeah, we can do it. Cause you know, we're the first people to be in there in five months. There's no way no one's going to get sick from this. And I thought that was interesting because that also shows that there is a widespread acceptance and growing VR sort of thing um because there's also like experiences you can do that are like in the star wars universe as well yeah. if you've all done the one at disneyland and stuff yeah um but it was interesting because to me i'm like oh this is it people are gonna definitely be ready player wanting soon enough We're yeah getting close you
0: you saw what's so great about it right by being in that that kind of best version um, um you know and it's 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 gonna happen i believe it
1: further along those lines uh vader immortal just kind of came out i think fairly recently on PlayStation VR but oh, yeah. as the world is reopening there is Vader Immortal Lightsaber Dojo at Dave and Busters and mm. it is huh? a very popular amusement where it I mean it is it is just that it it is the Vader yeah. the, the Lightsaber Dojo what you think it would be but people you know queue up to do this and and and, and have this experience I think it's wild to see it both as a larger experience like the um, the Star Wars one and the Ghostbusters one, and then the centerpiece of just a regular commercial or a thing you play for tickets, <laughs> you know, right? To win yeah. a
0: plush, it's it's really cool to see. Well, the other end of the spectrum of that is the other VR game I wanted to talk about. It, it's a game I've talked about before, Demio. Uh, Jimmy, do you know about Demio? Uh,
2: I do not. Okay, I've never
0: let me tell you about this game because I I think it might be up your alley. Um, it is basically creating a dungeons and dragons experience with friends like a card-based dungeons and Dragons experience with your friends around a virtual table
2: i have heard of this it's now that you say that awesome
0: it's awesome it's so well done and they're putting out periodic new content so they put out a new module uh, called something of the rat king curse of the rat king something of the rat king anyway uh, i played it uh, with uh, our friend friend of the show Danish Syed uh, this week and so the game, the only downside of Demio is that it is made for four players, and it doesn't really scale down if you have fewer than four players so oh. the difficulty is the difficulty, and if you're <laughs> playing with two people like we were, it's still throwing the same number of bad guys at you and i we had I think one of the coolest most thrilling multiplayer experiences i've ever had playing this game where so we were we tried to get past the first level of this new module with two people like twice and just got our butts handed to us um just walking through a door and there's like six bad guys all standing there we're like oh boy here we go uh (laughs) and you know it's all it's turn-based combat you have a deck of a card, we have a hand of cards. Uh, and if you use up the card, it doesn't replenish ever. So you have that card until the end of the level. And at the end of the level, you can use the gold that you've found in the level to buy new cards. But you have to be really strategic. You have certain basic attacks you can do where you don't need to spend a card. But any of the cool stuff that your class can do requires you to use a card. And that's the only time you get to use it. So you have like mm-hmm. one health potion to start. You have one cool big AOE attack and one, you know, one other cool thing that you can do. And there's four classes, you know, the standard, there's a ranger, an assassin, a wizard, and a fighter. Um, and so just having two of us, we were just getting worked. We are just getting destroyed. Uh and then we finally, the third time round, we're like, okay, we're going to give this another shot. We probably just need more people to play with us, but let's just give it another shot because it's, it's still fun. It's still fun, you know, getting killed, but, you know, we're trying to figure out a strategy. So we were trying different classes and ultimately uh, the the third time we went through, I played the, the sort of fighter class whose basic ability, whose the only every class gets one ability that resets after you use it so you can use it as many times as you want but just one time per turn and the fighter's ability basically the tank his ability is to replenish his armor which is like five extra hit points of armor that you know are depleted first any damage you take goes from your armor first and then you can replenish it uh every turn so hmm. We're moving through this level. We're getting farther. So the way Demio works is you move through the level, you find treasure. Inside treasure can be new cards that you immediately get into your deck and can be gold and can be other things, items. Um, But you're trying to get deeper into the level. You're trying to find the bad guy that's holding the key to the door, kill that bad guy, take the key, and then get to the door. So we're getting farther along. We're kind of investigating all the areas where the door might be because there's fog of war where you don't exactly know what, where anything is when you start the level. And we get to the big bad guy and uh, he kills Danish, my friend who's playing. Uh, and you can, res, you can res your friends with <laughs> back to three hit points, uh, but only three times. And once you do that, they're dead, dead, dead. And so that happens. Like we res each other, we're resing each other. And we get to the point where Danish is dead and I'm alive. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be able to do this solo, but we've gone so far in the level. And he's like, we'll just keep playing. We'll see what, and so he gets to be there in virtual reality, watching me, but I'm the only one that's alive. And he's just sort of watching me play and giving me advice. And we get to this point where I get myself, I walk through this doorway. And as soon as I open the door, There's just a room full of bad guys. Like, it's obscene. Like, (laughs) it's just crazy pants. Like, there's, I'm one guy, and there's, you know, eight high-level bad guys just standing there. And there's also these, like, spore things on the ground that if you hit them, they'll explode and cause gas and hurt you. But. The crazy weird twist of fate here is uh, all the levels in Demio as you play them is sort of randomly generated where things go and they move around. So, you know, run to run, it's different. Well, it just so happens that when I open that door, those spore placements are such that it like created this funnel to the door. And me standing in the door meant that no one could come in or out and I just stood there. And so the enemies had to come at me one at a time. (laughs) And I'm standing there and they would hit me and every turn I would just replenish my armor and they wouldn't hit me for more than my armor and then I would just smack them and we're giggling and laughing because through no strategic decision of our own, we've gotten to this position where like, I might be able to single-handedly defeat this entire level. And so like the the, the enemies keep coming at me and I'm fighting them back and fighting them off. And then like, Oh my God, there's a guy coming from behind and what are we going to do? And it just became this crazy intense, uh, you know, Dennis was like, this is better than any movie I've ever seen. Is the, are you going to be able to solo this monster? And he's giving me advice on how to do it. And Oh my God, there's another guy coming around the corner and, I eventually kill everything in the level, get all the way to the door where it is. There's one last guy who comes out, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to fight this guy. Kill that guy, get to the end of the level, we we do it. and It was like this amazing experience of overcoming overwhelming odds and doing it together in the shared virtual reality space. It just made me fall completely in love with that game. And I know that's sort of a cheesy way of of getting out of a you know it's like it just happened to be a way i could i could cheese the game but man it turned out to be so fun and we were laughing and having a great old time and i think because it was in vr it felt like we were in the same room together like like what you talk about jimmy with playing commander where you're sitting Mm -hmm. in the same room with each other it had much more of that presence feel and it you know it's one of the reasons i love vr amazing yeah the funnel strat Funnel strat, totally funnel strat. I couldn't believe it. Like he was like, as it was happening, Dennis was like, "Are you, you're gonna do this? You're <laughs> gonna do this?" And I was like, "There's no way I'm doing this." He's like, "No, look, they can't get to you. You're gonna do." It was so so funny. And like every turn, I just would use one action to replenish my armor and keep <laughs> keep going. Oh, it was crazy.
1: Anyway. Please, I, I'm a big fan of that strat all the time. Anytime all the time like i mentioned bloodborne yeah. earlier in this episode there's no way without me finding those you call it cheese i Jeez. call it getting through you know <laughs> like yeah. If, if, yeah if it works if a pick and roll at the top of the key is what gets you to the nba finals i'm gonna pick and roll at the top of the key every single game right yeah right like i have no qualms
2: about cheesing my way to a victory <laughs> uh,
0: anyway that is demio and it is available i think on every vr platform uh, maybe not psvr but um certainly on Oculus and on Steam. And it's it's super fun. I highly, highly Lovely. recommend it. It's a really good game. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Jimmy Wong, thank you so much for being here, man. It's been so much fun having you.
2: Oh, my gosh. Thank you. And, you know, soon, I don't know when this episode's coming out, uh, but the reason I'm on the show is because we did invite Jeff to be a part of a fun little skit that we're doing for the promotion of Adventures in the Forgotten Realm, which is the Magic X and d crossover. So you'll get to see his wonderful face and very nice voice uh, <laughs> uh, playing one of the cameo roles in sort of little montage sequence that we have. It's Dude, a lot of fun. Was, I, I saw some of the footage, and you look great. Oh, you thanks, look, man. You, was, you precisely like the character you're supposed to
0: be. It was awesome. so much fun. I don't know if I'm what I'm able to say and what I'm not able to say, but I, I will say this. You guys provided an awesome costume, And uh, it was so much fun. And it's really a funny script that I got to be a part of. So I can't wait for people to see it.
2: it turns out Los Angeles has quite a lot of costumes when you need to rent one. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) So that was awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You guys have an awesome setup over there too. It was really, really cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Tell folks where they can uh, see all the other stuff that you uh, do online.
2: I think the main place would be to go to youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. But the easiest way is just go on, go online. If you want to find out more about magic, look up game nights and that's nights with a K and you'll be able to see everything there. Um, that's I, like our sort of like our hallmark show. It's, it's the way that we get to show the world the, why playing magic as a commander game is really fun multiplayer. And then if you want to follow me, you can just find me at jf Wong, J-F-W-O-N-G, on pretty much every platform.
0: Very, very cool. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week?
1: Twitter's the best way uh, to keep in touch. This week I am celebrating my wife uh, take another trip around this uh, burning gas ball that we have in the center of our solar system. Um, <laughs> and uh, Twitter's the best way, though, at Spicer, S P I C E R. And I have a newsletter that you can subscribe to at slash Christian Spicer. And now with EA Play happening, uh, what? As this is out, I think uh, the twelfth. I think is that when that happens, our my air quote summer of games uh, will be over, and I can send out that newsletter that I've been tinkering on. Um, oh, and I should also say I don't have. We didn't do a video version for this, but I showed you and I, I tweeted out a picture. I got my Xbox Design Lab controller. Um, oh yeah. After built around the uh, issue one of up of, of my comic, and it's it's incredible. It's beautiful. It's stunning in person, and it It just blows me away that Microsoft is is doing this again, like I don't know how it works if they just have every, you know all of these pieces in a factory in China somewhere and then they assemble it when you make it and then they direct ship it to you like I got it oh days cool. earlier than they said I was going to get it. The amount of customization options are unfathomable, and to think that you can just get this thing and it's as good of a build as the one you buy at the store you know, like the mass market black or white one or whatever. And it's 10 bucks more than that. Like, I remember as a kid, I think it was a San Diego zoo. It was like, give it $10 and like it would hot wax for you, this dinosaur. (laughs) You know, you got to pick like the wax color in like a brontosaurus or a T-Rex. And I was like, this is the best thing in my life. This is a (laughs) one-off toy just for me <laughs> and it was you know some <laughs> thing that probably melted in the san diego sun as we left it in the car but it it is astonishing to me just this isn't some knockoff controller it is this the real deal you know the look feel fit finish everything made specifically for you and as we're talking about uh, the oled switch and the new white joy cons i i wish more um console manufacturers would, would do this because i think it it just makes it feel so special when you're sitting yeah. there with with your thing um mm-hmm. I- anyway that's all and also because there's not a, a place to put it uh jimmy I, I do need to say on air um this house is a mulan house and uh <laughs> we are such big fans oh yay you know you should
2: check out wish dragon if you all have a chance it that is the perfect movie to watch with a
1: family or with a loved one got great happy fun that dogs. is my my pile of shame is that i cannot get them to not watch mitchell's versus machines if we're on netflix i mean that movie is incredible they love it and i'm like <laughs> <"Well>, let's <laughs> do this oh. other one it has and i try to sell them on like the mulan angle and they're like yeah 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 dad and they've already clicked on mitchell's versus the machines.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> awesome that's uh, a fantastic movie though so i can't i
0: can't blame them <laughs> Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Jeff Canato, which is spelled with two n's and one t. And I have some other shows. If you want to check those out, a, including a movie and TV show review program called the Slash Film Cast. You can find that at slashfilmcast dot com. I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns. You can find that at wehaveconcerns dot com. Uh, I do a live play Dungeons and Dragons show called the dungeon run you can find that at uh at twitch.tv slash the dungeon run you can also find it on youtube or as an audio podcast we're coming back this week we had a, a couple of weeks off and we're coming back so check it out at 6 p.m pacific time on wednesday night Ooh. uh and if you want to email us here at this show dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you do that all right let oh we have a uh, bonus content also cushion uh, interviewing um the Polyarch. uh uh representative for um moss 2 which uh, stick around for that too but let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts hey give us a suggestion of what to do this week give us a parting gift this is your parting gift jimmy do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week uh one thing
2: i've been i got really into over the pandemic was tarot cards Uh, I love cards in general, and tarot cards fits in this world of a a certain type of art called divination. Mm. Um, I think all humans have psychic ability, however you want to define it, and tarot cards is a fun way to start a conversation and dive a little deeper uh, about something that resonates with you or even just to have fun and just to do stuff. It's not like a Ouija board. You're not going to summon a demon into your house, um, but you can ask it a question. You can flip a few cards over. You can just
0: admire the pretty art. I love
2: tarot cards. Wow, cool.
0: Neat. Uh, did you just buy those online or is there like a specialty place?
2: There know? are. there's so if, if you walk into a cute low store anywhere, you will there's like a 50% chance you'll see a tarot deck. I, I saw one today in a store that was like all about cats. It was like a <laughs> cat tarot deck, which is cute pictures of cats as all the cards. Hmm. Um, so you can find them almost anywhere. There's always a Kickstarter going for one of them. And if there's an art style that you like, guarantee there's going to be a tarot deck that matches that world.
3: Very cool.
0: Awesome. Christian Spicer, what's your parting gift?
1: I mean, I feel like just for safety reasons, mine has to be. Despite what Jimmy said, if you wander into a shop in a back alley around a corner that wasn't there before and now it is, don't buy those tarot cards. <laughs> 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 yes, that is precisely. <laughs> this is the one where you'll summon a demon. Um, my parting gift is uh, just, houseplants. just house plants. Just house, man. I don't do a good job of it at my house, and every time I'm in a place that has beautiful house plants, and our friend Jordan has the most beautiful house plants. It really makes a difference in a space. And I think here, especially as, you know, continued to have this year of inside, it's coming out now. We're getting out into the world more. Um, But just take the time to invest in some nice house plants and put in the time to keep them nice. What's that saying? Like investing in a garden is investing in a a tomorrow. Um, And you can bring that. Happy garden, happy life. Yeah, Uh, yeah, Yeah. yeah. you can bring that garden inside. So, you know, add some greenery to your space. Mm. Nice, love that.
0: My parting gift is a new season of a show that I love, the first season of. It is a a sketch comedy show called I Think You Should Leave. And season two just premiered on Netflix. It is six 15-minute episodes, so easy to binge in one sitting, which is exactly what I did. Uh, But I can tell you I will be watching them multiple times because I laughed quite a lot at I Think You Should Leave season two uh, to the point where, like, You know, memes and catchphrases are going to stick in my mind. Uh, Corpse Flop, for example, very funny, very funny. Uh, It is a very, very funny show. So uh, check out both seasons. If you haven't seen the first season of I Think You Should Leave, uh, makes me me laugh until I hurt myself laughing. (laughs)
2: I think the clip that circulated online for this is the guy and I think it's Tim Robinson in the uh, hot dog suit as it's like, who did this? And it's like a hot dog car has crashed into a shop and yeah. the guy in the suit. Yes. I think that was the, that was, that went viral and like read it a couple of times. So that
0: my you, favorite you thing about the show seen that. my favorite thing about the show is, is that like they, they clearly have some budget and they use it in very smart ways. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it, all of the sketches don't use the budget, but when they use it, they use it so well like oh if they're gonna make a big point they're gonna really invest in making that big point and uh, man it's so funny it's so funny all right we have a listener suggested parting gift this comes to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com from adam from wisconsin adam writes hey guys i just wanted to write in with an awesome ep that was just released that will probably appeal to christian the most but is recommendation for all it's called survivor's guilt the mixtape by Kenny Hoopla, and in collaboration with Travis Barker. It's a really solid pop-punk, emo, hardcore album that definitely throws back to some of the best early 2000s pop-punk stuff. Travis Barker's drums are very prominent and are expectedly top-notch. Kenny Hoopla's voice is powerful and emotional, and the themes in the lyrics perfectly match his energy. So anyone who loves Blink-182, Good Charlotte, Hot Mulligans, American Football, and all that good good pop punk emo stuff. will definitely enjoy this. Thanks for the great pod each week. Have a good one. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Yeah, Christian, Kenny, do you know that?
1: Yeah, Kenny Hoopla is great too. People might know uh what's it? How will I rest in peace if I'm buried beside this highway? Um, what's well, one of his like singles that kind of broke out. But he's fantastic and again, what Travis is doing for the continued pop punk scene. But yes, this is it's it's worth the listen. Very cool. cool. I'm going to check it out for sure.
0: If you want to have your parting gift read on the show, send it to us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Jimmy Wong and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for the cool bumpers. And thanks to all of you for downloading the show. Stick around for that bonus content. I think you're going to like this interview. But we will be back next week. Until then... Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to this bonus content on DLC. I am joined by Josh Stixma, who is uh, a developer and also a um, principal software engineer and design director uh, working on Moss. We get to talk about the new Moss shown (laughs) as I'm recording this today. On state of play. Josh, thanks for being here. How are you?
3: Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. Um I'm
1: excited we, were to talking, be here. we were talking off mic a little bit, uh, but you guys got the cold open spot on state of play. Of course, they talked about it was going to be about Death Loop, and then everybody tuned in. Uh <laughs> for me it was two PM. And there, there we are. We're diving back into this world. What did that feel like?
3: It felt uh Amazing. I was, I was completely surprised because I had no idea where we were in the queue of things. I was expecting to, you know, watch maybe like, you know, a good half hour or something uh, before, as I'm used to usually waiting for things to show up on on shows. But um, I, I was pleasantly surprised. It was, it's pretty, it's a pretty big honor to be thrown there right in the front.
1: It's so cool. Uh, listeners of this show certainly know um, Jeff and I loved Moss and we're big fans of the game. Um, what can you tell us? You know, I don't want to pry, but anything you can tell us about Moss Book Two um, that maybe wasn't shown in that reveal? Going back to Quill's adventure, what can we expect? That's the same, and maybe what can we expect that's that's different? or those tweaks? And 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 what do you guys bring into VR this time?
3: Yeah. Um, oh, boy, do I have a lot to say about that. I'll, I'll try and condense um, some of the thoughts that I have in my mind. Um,
1: <laughs> One word answers, please.
3: <laughs> um, I, you know, we're, we're super excited to talk about Moss Book 2. Um, you know, in terms of what fans can expect from the first game, we, we felt like that we built this strong foundation that we're really excited about and, and that we feel had really great reception. Um, from players really all around the world, and we we know this because we've been getting emails and reviews and people commenting about the things that they loved about the game. They you know they they love the world, they love interacting with Quill, they love the interaction, they love the puzzles. They, so we we felt like we actually had a pretty good recipe starting the game and and using that as a foundation. We said, okay, what do we do next? How, how do we build upon this? Make the things that people really liked stronger, and then also lift up places. Where we can improve, and and that really led us to a lot of our thinkings about Moss Two and how that how we could approach it. Um, and in terms of you know what's what's really going to be new, um, you know, breaking a bit of that down. Um, but first thing, like the the adventure isn't over. So players who played the first game, you're going to be able to get back into the world, back with Quill, right where you left off. Um, you just went on this epic hero's journey together with Quill. You you met her. You bonded with her. Um, you had amazing victories with her. You had like strong heartfelt moments with her. You defeated a giant snake with her, and now you saved her uncle together. And right after you save him, uh, he says that the arcane do not end with Sarfog, and he's totally right. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he wasn't lying. Um, turns out that you are you're in this Rodent Castle, and of course we we talked a bit about this castle uh in the beginning of the the game the prologue that's where the cinder Knight happened where the the rodents were all attacked and this castle is actually now the domain of this big winged tyrant and you saw you saw that that character in the announcement trailer as well um and this is a character that's going to be a uh quite a danger for quill uh a character that's hunting her within the castle She's rescued her uncle, but now she needs a plan for how she's going to deal with this. But also, um, you know, her uncle is safe, but um, the world of Moss might not be safe. So you're going to have to work with her to to build this this plan and and, and go on this this new adventure to defeat this new adversary. Um, you're not going to have to do it alone, thankfully, because you're you're never really alone because Squill's there. But the two of you don't have to do it alone because you've got new allies. You've got friends old and new that are going to be joining along the way. Um, And some of the cool things that we saw in the trailer that I can talk about too, are um, all of these new environments that we have. Yeah, Like the artists, they did such a great job. Um, Holy cow. Um, And it, like you see it on a 2d screen. It doesn't really do it as much justice. The um, there's the one, the the sort of the snowy mountain scene. Um, Do you recall seeing that in the trailer? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's just being in that, that environment you feel cold, you don't like, it, it just, it, it It turns on a switch in your brain where there's, there's that kind that much immersion. You just, you, you feel like you're in the space and you see every little like small, small breath of, of fog coming out of Quill's Quill's little snout or little nose. And you're just like, oh yeah, this is really cold And you feel it. The, so that we, we really wanted to bring in these new environments. And you feel like you're in them. We want you to, to have challenging new puzzles that you're going to overcome, challenging combat, um the other thing that i can talk about a bit more in detail too is um you know um did you see the part two with where cool gets the the new hammer weapon um, yes it, very heavy <laughs> yeah it looks like it's it weighs like maybe five times what she does right. uh, and you're like how does, how is this even gonna work um but she's stronger than we give her credit for she's she's super brave super strong and Um, She handles it actually how you might expect a character who is holding something way heavier than them is handling it. Our animation director, uh, Rick Lico, is just a master of of weight and a master of just amazing character animation. Uh, It just looks so good. But, um, you know, the the thing that I'm excited to talk about is um, we're we're really happy to build off the learnings that we had from Twilight Garden as well. Um, did, Did you get a chance to play that one?
1: Yes. Yeah. I loved it. I love, I mean, any chance I get back, I, I have to get back into the world, you know, sign me up. I'm, the head, the headset's going on and I'm diving
3: in. Oh, that's good to hear. Um, especially because we're, we're building off of that one. Um, you know, the the weapons being not just, I'm just going to attack with it like in the first game, but we we were really excited um, with how it turned out being able to reach in and, and charge Quill's weapon. Um, it was another moment for interaction with her, but it's also something that opens up new, New challenges, opportunities with gameplay because it's essentially you've got this gating mechanic out of the box with this weapon that you can charge, and now not only can I use it to clobber enemies in combat, but I can use it to solve a puzzle or enable Quill in some uh, platforming traversal. So it ticks the three boxes of adventure that we have for the game, um, which which is really exciting, and it looks looks really cool doing it. So um, yeah, we're, we're really excited about that.
1: That's awesome. Uh, We don't have tons of time. So one, I guess, (laughs) perhaps, no, 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 I I love it. I love it. Um, I guess my last question, because I want to give you a little bit of time to kind of uh, answer as you will on it, but I love returning to this, um, you know, diorama style world and games and certainly other Mm -hmm. VR games have done it, but Mm -hmm. not most, you know, for a, a lot of games, it is that, you know, you're in the, you are the thing it's first person here are my hands in this world. Yeah. And I'm curious to get your take on kind of, you know, the state of VR today and, and what it's like to do this direct sequel to Moss, something that critically worked out very well for you all. And, you know, creating this this game, but also kind of being aware of the VR landscape and when the decision was to like, yeah, we're going to we're going to do this again. This is what we want. This is the right way to attack this. We're not going, you know, quill first person hack and slash. We're, <laughs> we're doing more of what worked for us last time.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, we're doing it because we're just crazy and we love doing it. Um, that's the, the simple <laughs> answer, but uh, there's there's a lot to it. Um, I think you know, the state of VR is. I think we're st- we're still learning. We're still we're still growing. Our developers across all the studios are just getting better. So you look at um, how many people are developing VR. It's, it's growing, um, and as they're growing, different studios are starting to excel at different things, and, and certainly we're really happy that we've been excelling at that sort of that diorama that uh, we, we, we actually use the the term diorama a lot, but also the term is like every level is sort of like a bit of a stage play. Oh yeah. Um, and, and inside of that stage play is where the action happens and and different things can come into the stage play or leave the stage play as you're progressing through that environment. And I, but um, I think building off of that, one of the reasons that we're we're still doing it, and the reasons that we're still so, still really excited, is, um, you know, what we consider to actually be the central pillar of the game, which is Quill. Um, that when when we you asked like, why not just do a Quill like two D hack and slash, I, I think it's because VR provides a, a, a just a massive sense of immersion uh, where players can. Come into this world that we've created and experience it with with these characters and feel like they're real. Um, and we especially have that, uh, or at least all of our player, many of our players have told us that they're feeling this and they're resonating with this when they see Quill in this space and she's reacting to them. She's looking at them. Um, she might be squeaking at them, and they don't quite know exactly what she's saying, but they're interpreting what she's saying, and that makes her feel more real because they have their own version of her in their head. And that's something that just for us, it, it, it VR just excels at that so much, and is such a powerful medium for that sort of emotion, that that emotional feedback for players. And and we're really excited to try and push a, like a broader range of emotion, due to like some, what we feel was success in the first game. Like we want players to feel, um, you know, victorious or triumphant when Quill succeeds. We want them to feel you know, uncertain when they're not sure if she's going to be safe or if there's going to be trouble ahead. And we want them to feel heartbreak when there is truly trouble. So VR as a medium allows us to really do that effectively. And and I think that's why a lot of the people on the team are just excited to continue this because it's such a powerful medium for that type of content.
1: Yeah, well, I am very excited. Um, congratulations again to you and everyone on the team and Moss Book 2 coming to PlayStation VR. And Josh, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. And again, congratulations. It looks, it looks so
3: good. Christian, thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. And, and, and thank you as well for having me.